This is an AMI podcast. This is AMI Audio Live, bringing community events closer to you. And good afternoon from the Northlands Expo Center in Edmonton, Alberta, site of the 40th anniversary gala for the Stead Word Center. I'm Mike Ross along with Joita Gupta. And uh, in the province of Alberta now for a couple of days. And tonight is all about uh, a big celebration to it. It's 40 years for the Steadward Center and the uh, guest list here at this gala dinner and on our show include Karen Slater, Executive Director of the uh, Steadward Center. The founder, Bob Steadward, is here. Todd Nicholson, former Paralympian and chef de mission for the Canadian Paralympic team at the most recent Paralympic Games is going to drop by. Rick Hansen is going to be here as well from the Rick Hansen Foundation. We'll also be checking in with Sandy Saunders, former Paralympian. Nelson Rago, who uh, is no stranger to AMI-audio from the team at Cool Blind Tech, is going to drop in as we are in his hometown. Alana Ma is uh, uh, scheduled to join us as well, member of the women's national sledge hockey team. And uh, Lemon Plumet, longtime uh, TSC participant, is going to join us here on location as well. So big night planned here for our program and uh, right here at the uh, Expo Center in Edmonton. And it's a big night for the Stedward Center as well. It's the hub for adaptive sport. A lot of big names have gone through the Stedward Center and made a future for themselves and made a name for themselves and put Canada on the map in terms of para-sport. Uh, they train about 1,000 kids every year, about 250 you know, per year. So it's, it's quite remarkable what they've managed to accomplish here, particularly on the... Ba- particularly based on uh, research and you know some of the innovations around para sports it's really going to be exciting to talk to uh, some of our guests tonight and also a big day just given you know the federal accessibility legislation that came down yesterday it was tabled yesterday so looking forward to talking to particularly Rick Hansen about that as well very much so that is big news in the accessibility community and the disability community uh, right across the country so we'll get into conversations about that we've been having a lot of fun here in and around edmonton and hanging out with jim crisco our regional content specialist here in alberta and edmonton specifically but you know that he covers off saskatchewan and manitoba as well uh, we've been out and about enjoying some of the culture some of the sights some of the sounds and Lots of the tastes of Edmonton as well. I know. Did someone or did someone not get a steak last night? <laughs> <laughs> we went out last night for uh, a nice team <laughs> dinner, is what I'm going to call it. We went to a, a restaurant called Lux, and it's a steakhouse. And uh, so there were four of us in total. Three of us had steak. And there was the vegetarian. And there was Joita. <laughs> but let me tell you, you packed in... I think maybe more than than we did, just based on the mountain of salad that they served you. We got fooled a little bit by the menu. There was a regular salad, and there was a behemoth big, salad. <laughs> the big salad. This thing, I kid you not, was it's bigger like, than my head. <laughs> it was. I took a picture of it. I'm going to have to put it online at some point, maybe if if Julia gives me permission. Oh, go ahead. It's not my salad. Oh my goodness gracious! This it thing, was huge. It was so big. That Joita actually boxed some of the salad 
And we ended up having to box some of our side dishes because the servings were so humongous. But it was a good time. We had really, really uh, great service uh, from, uh, from the staff there, and uh, that was a lot of fun. And then today we were out and about checking out parts uh, of Edmonton. We found a, a great spot, um, uh, Strathern Park. Is that? Uh, That's right. Strathern Drive. Strathern Thank Drive. you, Jim. And uh, just a beautiful lookout. Uh, across the uh, North Saskatchewan River, and uh, fabulous uh, uh, sight line of the city, and beautiful houses of the river. Oh my! Oh, million dollar homes. Wouldn't I love to live in a do- place like that? With million dollar <laughs> views, million dollar balconies. It really was a, a beautiful part of the city. And then we got to go uh, come back downtown and hand uh, over to the legislature building, or right across from it, and. Uh, the, uh, the works is happening. It's a big festival here in Edmonton. And uh, there were some people out doing Zumba in, in this plaza. There were people enjoying the food trucks in the plaza. It was a beautiful day in Edmonton. It sure was. It, the, the weather has been beautiful throughout. Um, but you forgot to mention the best part of the morning, Mike, which was the, the uh, botanical gardens that we went to. That was something, wasn't it? The conservatory. Wasn't that, though? I mean, I've been to the Biodome in Montreal. And that was kind of neat, but... It felt like um, this was the biodome times four. Oh yeah! Because they've they've really split it up beautifully. They've got some amazing, amazing plants and flowers. Um, we went into the uh, the tropical uh, zone uh, first. Loved it. Hot Ooh. and humid. It was. Was great. it ever? <laughs> I'm telling you. I right didn't want now. to leave. <laughs> no. And we were we were told by Suzette, who was uh, from the city of Edmonton. Uh, that uh, it's a very, very popular spot here in Edmonton in the winter when it's minus 25, minus 30 degrees outside. People like to go in there and warm up and feel a little feel a little tropical without having to leave their home. And without spending a, a whole ton of money and flying halfway across the world. No, it makes a lot of sense. And, of course, there were a number of beautiful exotic plants that we got to see. And, you know, uh, it, uh, we should also mention yesterday, forgot to mention the best part, bumped into another community reporter, that being G.R. Bjornsson, had a bit of a chat with him as well. So we drove uh, from Calgary via Red Deer. Yeah. We met up with J.R. and had a bit of a chat, got to rub some shoulders, and uh, then we were off to Edmonton and your steakhouse. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, I mean, I'm not going to kid you, Julia. When, when, when you travel uh, and you're a foodie, you, you look forward to planning a couple of uh, a couple of meals. Oh, absolutely! And when we started talking about the fact that we were going to be coming to Calgary and going to Edmonton, and then all the other places we're going across the country over the next several weeks, we thought, you know, man, we got to look at specific foods that that are sort of um, you know, from these provinces and from these cities, and and what can they offer up? And it's like you can't come to Alberta. Uh, as a meat lover, and not have some triple A, you know, grade A beef from Alberta, you just you can't miss out on that. Shall so. I tell you? I'll tell let you in on a dirty little secret. Your sna- your steak smells delicious. I, I bet you. <laughs> I was sitting there right there and saying, "Why are you holding out?" So Elena Falcone from our communications team uh, was with us at dinner. Daniel Panamondo, our technician and technical producer, is uh, with us as well. And before I even had a chance to cut into my steak both Elena and Daniel had already had a bite of their steak they were both speechless 
and the first word that came out of their mouths was melt in your mouth. It was that good. It was that well cooked, and it was uh, just a good piece of meat, no mm-hmm. doubt about it. But everything was good last night. So well, Everything's been wonderful so far. I really enjoyed coming up to Alberta. It, I think I've mentioned it before. haven't really been to this part of the country, and it's definitely lived up to expectation, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's been a lot of fun. So we are with AMI-Audio Live here at the Northlands Expo Center in Edmonton. We're here for the 40th anniversary gala for the Stedward Center. And if you're not familiar with what the Stedward Center is, it's a, it's a center for personal and physical achievement. And it's a, a, a center that's expert or, or that are experts in adapted physical activity and parasport development. You've got 1,000 children plus and adults experiencing disabilities and, and uh, training uh, more than 250 students here a year. Now, as part of the Faculty of Kinesiology, Sport and Recreation with the University of Alberta, the center also uh, takes part in research and in education. And with that, they deliver innovative programs and get to share proven expertise with the uh, community fitness and sports leaders right across the province of Alberta. So it's a very important organization. It stands to reason that with 40 years under their belt, um, they've, uh, they've produced some pretty fantastic uh, para-sport athletes. And that's uh, really what we're celebrating here tonight is the, uh, the fact that um, this was a groundbreaking um, you know, innovation in, in, in uh, project when it started 40 years ago, and when you, when you look at where they're at now, uh, they uh, they are showing the world that para sports are no different than any other type of sport, and it's important to, that we recognize that and that we support it in this country. Absolutely, I think it's really helped to shift the perception of para sport as sort of a which might have started out as being a bit of a fringe thing. And now I think, and you look at this in terms of uh, the attendance at Paralympic Games, for example, the, it has become more mainstream, and it's nice to see uh, para-athletes get the recognition that they deserve because these folks work extremely hard. You know, Mike, we, we talk to them on our program on a fairly regular basis. We have a couple of athletes come on every month, and they speak to us about their journey, their accomplishments, their goals and expectations for themselves. And it's so rewarding to be at a place where, in a sense, it all got started, but a place that has definitely done a lot to change the ideas and the perceptions of parasport in the country. And so we'll be speaking to some really great people tonight. I am so excited. Yeah, very, uh, very excited. The uh, new Stedward Center facility incorporates enhanced accessibility and 17,000 square feet of uh, space that is dedicated uh, to the community. They have a main floor entry. They have dedicated DATS drop-off and revamped parking area, uh, a lounge, an open coat room with mini locker storage, accessible standalone washrooms within the program space. There's so much to talk about with regards to this facility, and we're going to be doing that uh, right through the broadcast here this afternoon as uh, we will talk to uh, some athletes. We're going to talk to... Uh, people who have experienced the Stedward Center uh, themselves, who have been through, they've participated, they've trained there. And uh, we're also going to be talking to Bob Stedward, who is the founder of the center. So I'm looking forward to that. But uh, after this quick break, Karen Slater is going to be here, the executive director 
of the Steadward Center as we continue the AMI-audio live broadcast of the 40th Anniversary Gala for the Steadward Center live from Edmonton, Alberta at the Northlands Expo Center. Mike Ross and Joita Gupta with you. We'll be back after a quick break. Stick around. Welcome back to AMI-audio Live's broadcast of the 40th Anniversary Gala of the Steadward Center. We're at the Edmonton Expo Center uh, in Edmonton, Alberta. Mike Ross and Joita Gupta with you celebrating along with the, the fine folks at the Steadward Center tonight. And joining us right now, the Executive Director of the Steadward Center, Karen Slater. Hi. Nice to, well, nice to, nice to have you here. How are you? Well, we're very, very happy to be here, indeed. It's lovely to have a chance to talk to you because you wear a number of hats. You wear a number of hats in the community and you do so much. Um, can you tell us a little bit then about your perspective on the Steadward Center, uh, its history, its, its inception, and some of the people who've gone through it? Uh, what, do you, uh, what do you sort of appreciate about it? Sure. So the Stubber Center to me has a storied history. I think it started with a strong intention around um, supporting para-athletes um, and really developing para-sport, obviously with the founder being Dr. Um, Bob Sedward. And I think it has really also um, supported individuals living with impairment just to live healthy, active lifestyles. And that has really been core to the Stubber Center over its 40-year history. And... Um, you know, and uh, about 14 years ago, we even really strengthened our commitment to children and youth participating as well with our introduction of our Free to Be Me program. So I think people who've come through the Stubbard Center have been very varied with um, quite a few um, experiences and um, achieved a lot of different goals. Tell us more about the Free to Be Me because that's something that you were involved with from the beginning Going back to, what, 2004, right? Mm -hmm, correct, yeah. So we opened our doors early 2005. Um, we opened them to 25 children and youth, and by the end of that year, we had 250 kids um, participating in um, adaptive physical activity, parasport, and developing physical literacy, um, which really demonstrated a significant need within our community. And so what's happening tonight? It's a big day for you. Lots of celebrate, lots to celebrate, a 40-year history. It's going to be a party, I would imagine. Yeah, we, <laughs> we sure hope so. So we have about 500 guests who will be coming to, um, to listen to quite a star-studded lineup with Dr. Shepard hosting the evening, as well as um, Rick Hansen and Todd Nicholson and um, Chantal Petitclair from, from afar. So. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm curious. I am a member of the Ability Center in Whitby, Ontario. Mm, lovely. And uh, and we have my wife and I have been for uh, for several years, mm -hmm. and I found that there are more and more people that are are, are realizing that uh, it doesn't need or there shouldn't be a segregation mm -hmm. of para sports mm -hmm. and uh, and able-bodied sports. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I wonder, you know, when we look at something like the Steadward Center, I mean, mm -hmm. going back 40 years, so some, th this idea isn't something that's new. I mean, it's, it's, this mm -hmm. is the grassroots of it. Definitely, and I would say that the, at the Steadward Center, we are specialized in nature and that we support individuals who experience disability regardless of the type of impairment. Um, however, in a way, we're very inclusive in mm -hmm. that it, um, we don't, 
determine or discriminate against type of um, lived experience, mm -hmm. as well as we also provide choice for individuals. And I think that's really important. So people can choose to exercise in this environment where they really feel a sense of community. Um, and then speaking of community, we've supported individuals to exercise within the greater Edmonton area um, by building partnerships and relationships with over 30 fitness facilities. So those who are choosing to work out close to home, um, with people that they're choosing to work out with, their family, friends, we've been able to support that as well by increasing the amount of accessibility of fitness facilities in the community. So for us at the Starwood Center, we're specialized. Um, however, we're about choice because people should also have the choice to be able to work out in an environment that they choose to. Absolutely. And it's nice that you, you can give people a few options. Mm -hmm. And yet I've found that in the last decade, decade and a half maybe, the perception of peer sport has undergone a dramatic change. I talked about it earlier in the program. I said, you know, when I was a kid, and I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was. <laughs> I made that joke to death. Uh, but, I, you know, the, the, the idea was that this was sort of a fringe thing. There was a certain amount of stigma attached. You didn't want to be labeled as playing a pair of sport. And yet we've seen a... a, a is it fair to say a renaissance, a real energizing of people and getting people really motivated about it, athletes, of course, but also just interest in parasport has gone up tremendously. What do you think has brought about the change? Well, I think the media has really increased its exposure around the Paralympic Games. I think there's a lot more grassroots programs. Um, I think there's a real commitment for young children, and we see that at the at the center, um, to just participate and gain um, fundamental movement skills. You know, we talk a lot about just good physical literacy, and I think that has really shifted. And it's not um, anyone can be an athlete, and I think that mindset has has really changed. And I think that's where you're seeing this new energy around sport in general. I think um, having. I've been at the Invictus Games last year mm -hmm. and having watched the, the, the Paralympics and the, the Para Pan Am Games in Toronto in 2015, I think, we've, I think a lot of people who watch para sports have moved on from the, the, you know, being inspired by these athletes mm -hmm. and are now impressed with these athletes. And there's a difference there. And significant. This, it is. And, and you, you, when, when you start to recognize the talent and the, the athletic ability of anyone with an impairment or disability, I think we're, we're really taking a big leap away from the old way of looking at parasports. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree significantly. And I think um, the sport itself are getting merit and that wheelchair basketball is seen as a sport in among itself, not just the disabled version of basketball. Sure. And um, people are really appreciating the strategy involved. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that um, transcends a variety of different sports. Well, you know, I think it's quite nice to think of somebody in their community uh, working out or going to the gym or exercising or playing a sport with everybody else. Uh, but what about high-level sport? When we talk about something like the Olympics, there is a suggestion that it might be time to remove the separation between the Paralympics and the Olympic Games. Do you think that would be helpful, or do you think the distinction remains meaningful? Oh, that's a pretty big question. <laughs> I, I think in part, you know, Paralympics have really prided themselves in being a movement, and I think, um, I think there's room for that, and I think there's a real merit in that as well. Um, I don't know, it would be interesting to see the coming together of those two um, movements or ideologies, but... Yeah, 
I'm not sure exactly, to be honest. I think there's a lot of good debate that could take place there. Neither are we. <laughs> <laughs> it's AMI Audio Live's broadcast here in Edmonton from the Edmonton Expo Center of the Stedward Center's 40th Anniversary Gala. Mike Ross and Julie Gupta here with you. And our guest is Karen Slater, Executive Director of the Stedward Center. I'm curious as to sort of your beginnings. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there have been... You know, tremendous changes over 40 years of an organization. But from what you've experienced and where, you know, parasports were and where youth programs were when you sort of broke into it to where we are now, what kind of improvements, what kind of evolutions have you seen? Well, I think even in the um, almost 14 years that I've been at the center, I think the significant difference is the engagement with the community and the work that we're doing in order to um, kind of bridge that gap between specialized environments and community environments. So now people have more choice and they also have more fluid movement so they can um, be present in both realms and not have to make um, like a significant choice to be in one or the other. And I think that's really important, especially when it comes to gaining um, athleticism, it comes to competing, being able to kind of participate in multiple arenas, so to speak, is, um, is really important. So that's a big difference that we have seen is breaking down barriers, um, which there are plenty. Um, and I think we've been able to do that within the community as well. And you're seeing that um, across the board in parasport, in, um, in adaptive physical activity venues, things like that. Now, it's not something that I think you end up doing alone. I mean, my experience with uh, yeah. the Ability Center in Whitby is they've got a lot of great partners. Mm-hmm. So who are some of the, the, the people and the organizations that you guys partner up with on a regular basis to make it work? Yeah, definitely. And so we have, um, we have five key program areas, everything from our Free to Be Me program that you mentioned and our base adult fitness recreation, our athlete development um, and our functional stimulation. But even if you talk about para-sport and to get our um, Stedward Bears um, para-swim team or our para-athletics teams, you know, we partner with the Olympian Swim Club in order to be able to compete um, at major meets. We partner with the Green and Gold Track Club. Um, so that's connection there around um, supporting para-sport within a mainstream environment. We also partner with folks like Wheelchair Sports Alberta, obviously um, Spinal Cord Injury Alberta, as well as the Glen Rose Rehabilitation Hospital has been really significant for us as well. Um, so we have a variety of different partners. Um, and, of course, we are housed within the Faculty of Kinesiology, Sport, and Recreation right. at the mm-hmm. University of Alberta. Let me ask you about that because you have to indulge the, the nerd in me, <laughs> uh, which is um, you, you, you are affiliated with the university. Mm-hmm. And so a significant portion of what you do, I would imagine, is some of the research. And you're, you're working with people who will go on to either become trainers or work in parasports. Um, mm-hmm. So what kind of research and innovation have you been involved with? Definitely. So, um, so it is really important because we see research teaching and then the citizenship piece or the program delivery as really um, one really nice package. And so some of the research that we've recently been doing is around um, supporting functional electrical stimulation, so the FES cycling. Um, we've also, with the work of um, Dr. Goodwin, we've looked at... Um, Looking at images and how people with impairment want to be seen within um, 
within the media. And so we did a project called um, See Me For Who I Really Am, and we engaged seven individuals um, from the center as co-researchers in that project, and they directed their own photo shoot and did narratives, and that lines the hallway within our center. Um, we work with quite a few researchers um, within the faculty of kinesiology, sport, and recreation, faculty of rehabilitation. Um, obviously, we, the Stubber Center, over its history, is renowned for FES cycling and FES rowing. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for yeah, having thank us. thank you so much for coming. We're, we're really excited about the evening, and a great way to uh, kick off uh, the show is being our first guest. Thank you. Thank you. Karen Slater is the executive director of the Steadward Center here in Edmonton, Alberta, celebrating their 40th anniversary with a gala here tonight at the Edmonton Expo Center. Our broadcast will continue here on AMI-audio live. We'll meet the founder, the namesake, of the Steadward Center. Bob Steadward is going to join us here on set when we come back here on AMI-audio. AMI-audio lives broadcast of the Steadward Center's 40th anniversary gala coming to you live from the Edmonton Expo Center in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm Mike Ross, along with Joita Gupta. I want to give you a little bit of background on our next guest, Dr. Robert Stedward, a world leader in disability sport, was the founding president of the International Paralympic Committee. Dr. Stedward was elected to the, uh, uh, or as an IOC member in 2000 and is an honorary life member of the Canadian Olympic Committee. His leadership over the past 50 years has led to the inclusion and participation of individuals living with impairment in international sport. In 1978, he created the PSA Training Center at the University of Alberta, later named the Rick Hansen Center, and eventually renamed the Stedward Center for Personal and Physical Achievement with a commitment to the physical wellness of individuals living with impairment. Dr. Robert Stedward is with us now. How are you? Excellent. How are you? Great. Thank Terrific. you very much for having us, and congratulations on 40 years of uh, innovation research and uh, making para-sport as, uh, as popular and uh, as important as it is today. Well, thank you very much. It, uh, it's been a very long journey, of course. Uh, when I think back uh, 40 years ago, we opened up basically in a telephone booth with a couple of very modest pieces of equipment and uh, one part-time employee, and uh, now today we're in a beautiful 17,000-square-foot uh, facility uh, offering programs for more than a 1,000 people living with a disability. And, and that's everything from, I usually refer to it as the womb to the tomb. <laughs> we, we've, got, uh, a very, we've got the young children's program called Free to Be Me, and there's about 800 children living with disability from about four years of age to 16. Uh, then we have our adult uh, fitness and lifestyle program where they develop skills so they can become much more independent and contributing members uh, of society and our community. Then we have, of course, our, our Paralympic uh, sport programs uh, as well. And then uh, functional electrical stimulation and goes on and on. So we've been ve uh, very fortunate to, uh, to grow the center. Um, there's always a a dark side to it as well, that it's the only center of its kind that exists. Uh, we are uh, trying to get other centers around the province to begin with. We're 
looking at establishing one at Mount Royal University in Calgary. Mm -hmm. And I'm also in discussion with the people in um, in Red Deer at the college there and then up in Grand Prairie, Fort McMurray. So we are looking at expanding it because when you think of the, our population and how many people are living with a disability, uh, there's a lot of people to provide opportunities and services for. Absolutely. That number is growing with an aging population, and I don't see why someone couldn't benefit from adaptive sport just or you know continuing to enjoy sport mm -hmm. if they were to go on to acquire a disability. But I want to ask you to go back to the very beginning, mm -hmm. which is obviously a, a good place to start. Um, mm -hmm. you, in those early days, you were quite involved with your community and, of course, with sports. How did your experiences... Uh, early on shape your path in life? What is it that made you decide, this is my passion, this is what I want to do? Well, it's, well thank you very much. I get that question often uh, asked of me so often. And uh, things in life sometimes just happen. They happen by chance. Uh, they happen by a mistake or, or something like that. 51 years ago, I got first involved and exposed to people uh, living with a disability. I, you know, I wasn't really sure what to do, how to do it, but... Uh, a couple or three people that I had met uh, uh, knew that I was involved in sport myself and said, well, because of your interest in sport, would you like to come out and help us? We're trying to establish um, a wheelchair basketball program. We're, we're uh, wanting to learn more about uh, swimming and track and field, uh, athletics and the like. So uh, I did, and uh, I started getting involved then, and as a result... Uh, a year later, in 1968, we uh, hosted the very first national wheelchair games in Canada at the University of Alberta in Edmonton. And then it just uh, grew from there. I, I uh, helped them with their basketball. I helped them with track and field, with their uh, swimming and, and many other sports at the time. Uh, I also worked in the School for the Deaf, uh, working with some of their basketball teams and hockey teams. But I found out very quickly for those first 10 or 11 years how inaccessible uh, our community was, how many barriers there are, not just attitudinal barriers, but physical barriers. didn't matter where we went when we tried to get a school from the school board or facility from the city. Uh, you might be able to get in the front door, but that's as far as it goes. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, was, it was important to find, develop a, a center where people could come in and um, exercise, take care of themselves, uh, become more physically active. So uh, again, they could, they could get around the community much more efficiently. So that's sort of how it started. And it was just like a vortex, just sort of, mm -hmm. you know, pulled you right in. And uh, then, I got, then I started to get more of an interest at the national level, then the international level. And, and I was quite concerned that we had about four or five different uh, disability groups internationally the, uh, for the uh, visually impaired, for uh, hard of hearing and deaf, for cerebral palsy, etc., etc. And they just weren't cooperating and working with one another. So that's when I looked at uh, putting together a proposal to create a new uh, world body, which we did when we created the International Paralympic Committee. So you talk about a vortex that you got sucked into and, and yeah. it becomes all-encompassing. Yes. However, I'm curious, when you started this 40 years ago, how receptive were those athletes living with disability? How much of a sell job did you have to make to them to say, this is a place 
that, that you can come and you're going to thrive, and this is a good thing. This, this isn't a gimmick. This yeah. isn't a charity. This, yeah. is, this, is, this is a positive thing, but, you know, we're not, we're not handing it out here. This is, yeah. this is about positivity. Well, you know, it wasn't all that difficult because, okay. first of all, when you provide them with an accessible environment, you provide them with equipment that they can train on to improve their, uh, their skills and their fitness level. Uh, when you've got volunteers who, are, who have skills and coaching who are prepared to come and spend the time with them. But how much of that was around 40 years ago? Because I hear you talking about equipment, and I'm yeah. thinking about some of the athletic equipment from 40 years ago Yeah, compared to what we see now. Oh. I mean, hugely different. Yeah, right. Huge different. And you know uh, what I ended up doing because basically there was myself, uh, and then from there I had to go out and find other people who were uh, who were available to help help me out. So I ended up going to the hospitals because that's where the the doctors and the nurses and the physios were, right. who at least knew something about uh, disability. Uh, were usually part of a rehab program with someone that uh, either experienced a, a spinal cord injury, traumatic brain injury, amputation, or whatever. So I started off by getting those kinds of people to take time out of their schedules to help us, uh, help us out in their free time, nights and weekends. You fast forward 40-odd years, and I'm going to now pick up on something you said before, which is that there continue to be barriers. Not everyone wants to or goes on to become a Paralympian or an athlete uh, who's you know, performing at a high level. People, just ordinary people with disabilities might just want to go to the local gym and work out, but there continue to be so many barriers. How do you have conversations with private companies and businesses about the merits of making their spaces inclusive? Because I'm visually impaired. I'd love yes. to go to a gym, but there are so many challenges just to do that. Well, there is. I guess there's two or three things that have happened. One is that... Uh, um, I tried to work with as many fitness centers in the city, and the more we worked with them, the more we found that they were prepared to take some of their equipment and change it to make it more accessible for people living with a disability who were uh, wanting to be Paralympians. Uh, the more difficult one is to work uh, with the city and private companies who, with the private companies, they don't have to change if they don't want to, but I think they finally realized after years of uh, knocking down their doors that uh, it is, is an advantage for them to make sure that their facilities are, are accessible. Uh, the city, it has taken a longer period of time to uh, have them change laws, policies, rules, and regulations. And while we've come a long way, you know, from the, from the 50s to the 21st century, we still have a long way to go. Because it's amazing, isn't it, when, when you have a facility uh, that's accessible to all, uh, it makes it quite nice. But when you have a facility that's only accessible uh, to people that are not living with a disability, it makes it very cumbersome. And uh, we still have a lot of restricted uh, uh, barriers up there that we have to knock down. Attitudes are changing much better. And you know the reason why attitudes have changed is because of um, athletes with a disability, our Paralympians. They have really changed the world when it comes to attitudes, when it comes to a lot of those barriers. Um, but as well, the media have to help. Media can play a big role here. We see in Canada here a greater interest taken by media to uh, cover uh, world championships and Paralympic Games for our athletes, which is absolutely vital. 
So uh, th that's, um, uh, that's come a long way. Uh, but again, we still uh, have a long way to go. We can't look behind and take satisfaction. It's like pulling, pushing that big rock up, up the mountain. It's not that we can't overcome and push it, but when we let go, it comes right back down. Mm -hmm. You've been a leader in the world of sports, but also in uh, academia. And mm -hmm. I'm curious, um, when, when you see what the Steadward Center over its 40 years has been able to do to partner up with the University of Alberta and right. with research and teaching, what are some of the changes you've seen there? Well, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, I didn't really think an awful lot about the academic side when I first uh, established the center at the university. But it was it was a godsend because it did a lot of things. Number one, it it exposed a lot of people with disabilities to come to the university for for an environment they likely wouldn't have access to on a on any given day, and then uh, I, it created a lot of curiosity with other people in in the social science and the biological science and physical education, sport and kinesis. All of a sudden, they they took a greater interest in wanting to do research. Uh, with Paralympians, with with the everyday citizen living with a disability, and what are some of the challenging questions we have? And and uh, we were, you know, on the cutting edge of of that research uh, uh, back in the uh, in the 70s and 80s. Before we let you go, I yes. got to ask you. I mean, you start this whole thing up 40 years ago. You get to the 10th anniversary. You're probably blown away. You get to 20. Wow, 20 years. You get to 30. You know, icing on the cake. You're at 40 years into this. Mm -hmm. How do you feel on a night like tonight? Well, I mean, all you need to do is, is look around the room and, and see a completely sold-out event. In fact, we even moved a couple people out. The band was very cooperative and just staying in the green room. So the four tickets we sold yesterday, they can slide into their seats. But we're sold out here. Uh, we've never done that before, and to see 500 people that are coming to support uh, this event, this celebration, but they're all they're also business people who are curious, who you know uh, that have known me for years and wanting to know what the heck am I doing and uh, and what do you want us to do to help out? So it's remarkable. But the future, we can't sit back and say, yeah, 10, 20, 30 was wonderful. We mm -hmm. still have to realize. One of the biggest challenges we have ahead of us, because we've got a beautiful center now, sustainability. Mm -hmm. If we're unable to get the kinds of uh, funds that's necessary in order to meet the demands of the center, we've got, we've got waiting uh, people on the waiting list trying to get into our facility that can't because yeah. we don't have room. Great to meet you. Congratulations you. on 40 years, and uh, thank you very much for being part of our broadcast. You're very welcome. My Appreciate pleasure. You very much. That was Dr. Rob. Namesake, the, the leader, the man behind the uh, movement here. And uh, we're celebrating 40 years of the Steadward Center. Their anniversary gala is happening tonight here in Edmonton at the Expo Center. AMI Audio Live continues our broadcast. We're going to have uh, Todd Nicholson dropping by here in just a couple minutes. Former Paralympian sledge hockey player and chef de mission that's all coming up next here as we continue from edmonton mike ross and juanita gupta with you on ami audio
And welcome back. It is AMI-audio live coming to you from the Steadward Center's 40th anniversary gala at the Edmonton Expo Center in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm Mike Ross, along with Joita Gupta. Between 1994 and 2010, Todd Nicholson competed in sledge hockey at five Paralympic Winter Games, winning bronze, silver, and gold medals. He was the team captain for 15 years and was named to the Paralympic All-Star team in 1998 and 2002. He attended the Paralympic Winter Games and was a member of the sledge hockey team in 94, 98, 2002, 06, and 2010 in Vancouver and retired from competition in 2010. Meanwhile, at the most recent Paralympic Games was Canada's chef de mission in South Korea. And now... A guest with us. Nice to see you. Thanks very much for having me. It's uh, honestly a, a great honor to be at the 40th anniversary. And as you said in your last uh, broadcast, uh, you know, he Bob Stedward has not only done some amazing things here at the center, but what he's done internationally. Um, you know, we've got people that I was flying in on a plane with today that are making the trek across the country that have logistical challenges. And when I asked them, I said, so where, where are you off to? And they said, oh, well, we wouldn't miss this opportunity today to, to be here at the Steadward uh, 40th anniversary. And fun for us, by the way, because we've spoken before on Live from Studio 5 on AMI-audio, but it's nice to be able to have you here in person finally. Yeah, thank you. So, I mean, it, this clearly means a lot to a number of people. As you said, they've flown from across the country to be here tonight. What is your association with the center? So for me, um, looking at the Steadward Center, you know, we're 40 years anniversary, and uh, it's a center that was built way before its time uh, in terms of creating that inclusion, that accessibility around the world. Uh, it's, you know, world-leading in some of the things that are being put into the center and some of the stuff that is coming out of the center. You know, we look at, um, you know, my background comes from, from sport, obviously, but... Sport is not for everybody, so we, we need to ensure that regardless of what's happening within the Steadward Center, yes, sport is a focus of some of the stuff that goes in and out of there, but there's also so many other things that people with disabilities and without disabilities are also passionate about, and that's, again, creating that, finding that passion within everything that you're doing in order to be able to create that synergy. So um, one of the things that the Steadward Center does is it really provides those opportunities for the clients and the clientele to be able to learn what those, some of those are and possibly how to do it. Uh, for myself, as a, an accomplished athlete uh, in a number of different sports, uh, I attribute a lot of it to, you know, there's absolutely nothing that I can't do. I just may have to do it a little bit different and in some situations require different types of equipment. And we try to, you know, relay that out to everybody, uh, regardless of whether you have a disability or not. The sky's the limit to what you're capable of doing. Uh, the question is, is, Sometimes are you crazy enough to go down that road <laughs> to try it? So, <laughs> all right. Um, I'm, I'm, when we we look at the evolution um, of para sports, not just from the athletic standpoint, but from the fan standpoint as well, the media coverage that you've seen and how that's changed over the years. I'm curious as to what you think has sort of driven that, and and I'm going to be a little a little bit politically uh, unsafe here in saying that. I think the fact that hockey, you guys have been as successful as you have, not to take anything away from other para sports, but I think that's been a real driving force behind it. Would you agree? Um, I would say it's, it's definitely one of the driving forces. Uh, you know, when we look at, 
I've got two memorable moments in sport. And for me, the first one was in my first games, as you had mentioned, in 1994 in Lillehammer. And I remember skating around the ice and, and looking up into the stands and seeing my parents sitting there, who were two people who traveled halfway around the world to watch me play a game that I didn't think I was capable of playing anymore when my accident happened at 18. And then, you know, it was not hard to find them because they were two of six people in the stands. Right. Fast forward to my final games in Vancouver in 2010, and again, looking up into the stands and seeing my parents sitting there, I had no trouble finding them, but it was because there was 300 other crazy Canadians that made the trek from my hometown to watch me play in my final games because I knew going into those games they were going to be my last. But some, I think one of the biggest things that's really helped with the evolution and, and everything, and, and Mr. Stedward talked about it earlier, is we've had a, m- a tremendous amount of support and it continues to grow uh, with social media and social networking that we have today and the capabilities that we that are out there so that anybody can access, uh, regardless of vision impairment or disabilities or whatever it may be. There are mechanisms out there in, in order for us to all, regardless of where an event is happening, to be able to witness it live uh, or some form or shape of, of media. So the media, to me, has played a huge part. Is hockey one of the popular sports? I think it is, but I think it, a lot of it also has to attribute to a couple of different things. Um, probably the biggest one is these are all very professional athletes. Um, back when I was competing in 94, I had a full-time job, and hockey was not a hobby, but it was something that you know I wasn't training every day for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and fast forward to where we are today, and if you're not training uh, six to seven days a week today, you're not making the team. And the level of competition in all of our sports uh, has elevated to a whole other level. So that's the athlete side of things and how it's elevated. But another thing that's really assisted with that as well is our equipment. I was just going to ask, um, because we, we had an opportunity, Dan and I and, uh, and one of our other uh, uh, broadcasters here at AMI got a chance to try sledge hockey. Yeah. And it, I mean, I'm not in the, I'm not in my peak physical condition, as I'm sure you can tell. But um, round is a shape. It is a shape. You're absolutely right. It's a great shape. Um, it was one of the more difficult things I had to do. I think number one because it was just so foreign to me. But the one thing that that wasn't were were the basics of the game, right? So I would imagine that for you maybe a similar sort of feel for it, that the basics of the game, you never really lost, and the equipment's probably the one thing that's changed the most. And, you know, when you look at almost every Paralympic sport, the majority of athletes that are competing, and if we think it, if you look at our grassroots programming, you don't have to be disabled in order to play the game. So if you look at the grassroots programming, as you say, anybody can get in it, and, you know, your mind is telling you where you need to be, the biggest challenge that you have is getting your body in that position so that you can do those positions and get into that position where you need to be. Um, you know, as, as the equipment improved and, and as things started to evolve, getting from point A to point B uh, became less of a burden because the equipment was reacting to what you wanted it to do. Okay. And that's what we're seeing a lot more of today. You know, rewind back to 94 when I was playing. My sled was made out of steel. It weighed about 45 pounds. I had, uh, you know, drywall screws in the end of my stick, and that's what was for picks. Oh, okay. Today, yeah. uh, you know, today we're sitting on eight and a half to nine pounds, mm-hmm. uh, made out of titanium. Typically, it'll last you a full year. And, you know, we've got laser-cut picks that you no longer have to sharpen. And mm-hmm. just, 
again, it's, it's taken the level of sport to a whole other level. But not only has it done that, I think one of the biggest things it's done is it's, it's created that equalness and fairness across all nations. Right. So we want to ensure that when it comes to the Paralympic sport, performance can be one thing. So as an athlete, I can train 365 days a year and get to this level. Uh, and if I compete against somebody that is only training five days a week and half the amount of time, yeah. technically I should be better. But if we're sitting in the same type of equipment, you know, there should be some balance there. You should be able to see that. So that's, again, something we want to ensure that it's not the equipment that is giving the technical advantage to mm -hmm. any of the athletes. That's an interesting point, yeah. Uh, times have changed, and as you've said, equipment has changed. I wonder if you'd be open to looking to the future and telling us how you see things shaking down for the Paralympics. Do you, I mean, there have been some rumblings of maybe combining uh, Paralympics with the Olympics and eliminating it altogether. How do you feel about all that? Um, I think, you know, we've come a long way in the Paralympic movement in creating the, you know, that very niche aspect. And the Olympic Games bring certain things to, the, to a nation and how it creates that social change. What the Paralympics does is, again, it's, it's all about high-performance sport. We have to realize that all the athletes that are competing at that are high-performance. But um, it also brings that social change. We've seen it in many countries that the Paralympics has been hosted in. And that, again, is something. If you integrate that all in as one games, unfortunately, I think we might lose some of that. And the ability that we've been able to build with the media, if we get rolled into with the, with the Olympic Games, mm -hmm. uh, I think we would have trouble competing for that airtime um, and the spectator time and, the, and everything else that comes with it. You know, you look at the cost of a ticket for an Olympic Games compared to the cost of the ticket for a Paralympic Games. It's, it's not even comparable. Right. Um, we're seeing more and more families coming out to the Paralympic Games, um, and it's, it's becoming more and more popular. Um, our kids with disabilities today are integrated within our, our school systems, and we're trying to create physical education programs that allow that inclusion when we're looking at sport so that the kids with disabilities, when it comes time for recreational and physical activity, uh, participation, we want to ensure that they're active in sports, that they're not going and doing something uh, like sent to the vice principal's office or whatever. And, <laughs> and, and not that there's anything wrong with kids getting involved in other types of activities like uh, reading and writing and arts and, and all that sort of stuff. Again, it's finding that passion. But yeah. to me, there are so many people who are, have, find, have found passion, found mentors, and have been amazing contributors to society um, coming out of the sporting world. Dr. Sedward talked about the fact that this is the only such center uh, in Alberta. He's pushing to, to get it expanded and into other communities. Correct me if I'm wrong, but are you not involved in the Ability Center project, trying to get that going in Ottawa? And, and I'm wondering how it's going because when, you know, I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. My wife and I are involved in, uh, in Whitby, and, and we're, we, we love going there, and we'd love to see it in our hometown. How's it going? It's going really well. You know, we, um, we're definitely still on the, the development stage of, of building the Ability Center in Ottawa, and obviously we've got goals and hopes of being part of the Rendezvous Le Breton group. Um, so it, as long as that continues on, that's where uh, obviously we hope our home to be. Um, but there's still some decisions that need to be made there between the Rendezvous Le Breton group and the NTC. The good news is that uh, conversations continue to happen and that progress keep, keeps on progressing. 
And we're starting to run more and more programs out of Ottawa now as well. So we've got a trailer filled with equipment mm-hmm. that we go around and we do parasport education days and fully inclusive. And basically we've, since March of this year, we've already spoke to and sort of had face-on contact with over 5,000 kids, adults, uh, in order to be able to create that awareness. So that, as you say, when, when it does come time to turn the key and open the doors, mm-hmm. very similar to the Stedward Centre here, it's a centre that's open to everybody yeah. and accessible to everybody. Yeah. Everyone is welcome, and regardless of what your ability is, you will be welcomed when you come to the door. If you have financial barriers, again, there's things that are put in place in order to be able to accommodate all of those barriers. All right. Last thing before we let you go. The uh, Paralympic Games, chef de mission, what was that like? Honestly, I've done a lot lot of things in my life. I really have. Uh, I was an athlete for 30 years. Um, For the last eight, I've been the chair of the International Paralympic Committee's Athletes Council, so I represented every athlete from every sport for every nation. And I wasn't able to wear the Team Canada colors. Right. Um, Honestly, the chef de mission position was one of the most amazing and best experiences of my life. It was, a, it was really great to see a team come together. Um, we were all in one village, and that's, this is the first time that that's happened since Little Hammer in 94. And it really brought all of our athletes together, and they all bound around each other. And as Chef de Michel, one of the biggest things that you know, I was trying to do is, is to bring everybody together, get to know each other, and um, avoid all those distractions. And I think all of our athletes come home with some record performances. We had some young athletes that were going there for experience, and not only did they come home with an experience, but they also came home with some hardware. And it looks great for the future of uh, the Canadian Paralympic Committee and the Canadian Olympic Committee as well. That relationship is really starting to bind together. And I think just that alone will help both the Olympic and the Paralympic movement move forward uh, and identifying and um, finding more athletes that are passionate about um, that aspect of their life. Great to have you here. Nice to have you on our show, live and in person. Thank you very much. Enjoy the evening. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Todd Nicholson, who is the chef de mission for Team Canada at the Paralympic Games in South Korea in 2018 and former Paralympic winter athlete and champion. Joining us here on the AMI-audio live broadcast from the Expo Centre in Edmonton, it is the Stedward Centre's 40th Anniversary Gala. Mike Ross and Juwita Gupta and the broadcast continues in just a moment. Rick Hansen coming up next. Stick around. Welcome back. It's AMI-audio live. Mike Ross and Joanna Gupta with you, coming to you live from the Edmonton Expo Center in Edmonton, Alberta, the Stedward Center, celebrating its 40th anniversary with a gala tonight. We are here and getting set with just a great roster of guests who represent not just the Stedward Center, but disability advocates and para-sports, left, right, and center. And this is just a thrill. Rick Hansen founder and CEO of the Rick Hansen Foundation and passionate advocate for people with disabilities in Canada and around the world. He's a celebrated Paralympic athlete and is known as the man in motion for his epic two-year wheelchair trip around the world to create awareness about the potential of people with disabilities and to raise funds 
for a cure for paralysis after a spinal cord injury. Now, since the Man in Motion World Tour, Rick has dedicated his life to creating a world that is accessible and inclusive for all by removing barriers for people with disabilities. Rick and his team at the foundation are working hard to change attitudes, create accessible spaces, and liberate the amazing potential of people with disabilities. It is so great to have you here with us. Nice to meet you. Hey, Thank you for being here. Great to be here, you guys. Really appreciate it. And what a wonderful event uh, and, a, and a tremendous tribute to uh, a great Canadian icon and Bob Stedward. Uh, Dr. Bob Stedward is is such an amazing person, and what a privilege to be here to pay tribute to him and his legacy center. It is a great event, and I'm so glad you could take a few minutes to talk to us today. What is your association with the center? You know, I, I first met Bob actually when I was uh, with Terry Fox uh, on the Vancouver Cable Cars wheelchair basketball team, and we uh, we came up here as part of the first ever National Wheelchair Games in 1977, met Bob Stedward, and he was part of the organizing committee at U of A and uh, putting that whole games program on, and stayed connected with Bob as a high-performing athlete. And then as Bob built the center, benefited from his, uh, his uh, physiological testing and training, and then as a leader, he helped pave the way for Paralympic opportunities for young aspiring athletes like myself. And over the years, was, uh, was able to help uh, continue to build the center and uh, encourage Bob to keep working his magic. And it's been a privilege to be part of it. So you mentioned Terry Fox. Um wasn't uh, wasn't no longer with us to see the legacy of uh, of what his marathon of hope did. You get to see your the legacy of your tour, and I'm wondering, you know, when, when you think back to when you started out and and you just sort of started planning it, could you have ever envisioned that it would turn into what it has all these years later? Not at all, because you know, here I was nurtured by this Paralympic movement, both by meeting people like Bob, by local champions here like Gary McPherson. Terry Fox, uh, all these folks who really inspired me to be my best, but also to pay it forward. And my experiences globally as a Paralympic athlete inspired me to remove barriers for people with disabilities on my Man in Motion tour. Uh, I had a wild dream of just dedicating some time and building awareness and hoping to raise $10 million. And little did I know that we'd raise over $26 million and then it would become a formal organization and that it would be a lifelong journey. Um, it's, been, it's been a privilege. Uh, filled with new goals and dreams, and mostly buoyed by the momentum and the progress that's taken place over 30 years since that Man in Motion tour, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. And speaking of momentum and people feeling hopeful, I think a lot of people with disabilities across the country are feeling hopeful today. We had the legislation, the federal accessibility legislation, tabled yesterday. How are you feeling about it? Do you feel it's uh, long overdue? Or are you excited about it? You know, it is long overdue. Uh, I mean, we brought our Constitution back, uh, you know, in the early 80s, uh, these lofty words of the Canada we want. Uh, powerful and inspiring, uh, but then we needed uh, our government to respond and embed a legal and uh, legislative pathway uh, jurisdictionally, especially at the federal government. So, uh, but as a champion, as an advocate, uh, I'm I'm super excited uh, and really proud that the federal government has uh, actually brought this uh, legislative uh, package and tabled it for all of us to now see and uh, review, uh, to comment and uh, to help uh, shape so that it's truly reflective of what we want to see formalized and can't wait to get into the substance of it and, uh, and make sure that it's continuing to be at that cutting edge. It's clearly a first step, right? And, and it's going to be a process. And, and uh, as we want to be excited, we want to be positive about it, but um, also important that they get it right. right? Yeah. We don't want to, we want to go through this too quickly and skip any, any, any steps and, and 
have anything fall through the cracks. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's going to be an interesting balance because there's been other uh, legislative uh, jurisdictions that have, have put forward products and they've rushed and uh, and then had to stop and then get it back again, uh, whether it be the uh, ODA that turned in eventually to AODA and and then comments about, uh, you know, uh, whether that's uh, been executed, uh, you know, fast enough, uh, effectively enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. At all. Learnings. learnings <laughs> At le- all in some instances. Learnings associated with that, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's not just, uh, again, the legislative package, um, but it's the empowerment, uh, the ability to empower sectors to actually engage and execute. And, you know, it, again, it's easy to put words and principles and uh, and documents in play, but... You know, we have to see some progress, and you, you have to be in, invested in the actual translation of that to help not only employees within the government of Canada and the jurisdictional uh, bodies that are affected by their federal jurisdiction, but also society and partnerships, because together we'll get there faster. So this is probably going to be the magic of, uh, of hopefully what's inside the body of it as we go through coming months and uh, obviously the direction that consultation will take. Uh, especially from those who have learned the lessons of uh, mm-hmm. past attempts. But the devil's in the detail, as they say. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, I, I like to be optimistic because, uh, you know, it's, it's important. Uh, this is a very historic moment. It is. You know, and we should really uh, celebrate uh, this because what a great, what a great opportunity to, uh, to look to see how, uh, you know, how, how it actually uh, reflects. You know, I was thinking about something you said earlier. It really resonated, this idea that you want to pay it forward. And I want to turn to the work of the Rick Hansen Foundation. Can you tell us a little more about some of the things that you've accomplished or the foundation has accomplished? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know uh, whether you can actually often uh, attribute it to any one individual or body, but uh, what I like to look at is, is how far Canada has come you know, in the 30 years since our tour. Uh, you know, when we first started the tour, disability was largely thought of as a bit of a charitable topic and area. You know, if you had a disability, it was a kind of a, a tough burden, a lot of pity, uh, a lot of limitations and barriers. And uh, and people, I don't think people really had caught up even to the constitutional intent, you know, or the charter intent where people with disabilities were supposed to be treated in this country as equals. And, uh, and so what we found is that, you know, over 95% of Canadians, uh, you know, now uh, clearly buy into the reality that our constitution is correct. The Canadians with disabilities... Uh, are equals and uh, and they should be treated as such and that that attitudinal shift is uh, is is one of the greatest victories of uh, the Canadian DNA and so you can't move forward unless people are uh, aligned on principle and that's a that's a powerful reckoning and uh, I think it's great but we we do that through awareness and awareness is one of the great unifiers for people with disabilities because we're often divided by our body part, uh, our disease or our, our trauma or our affliction or our concern, and, or the continuum that we're on between being in the hospital or a rehab center or into the community, whether we want employment or sport or whatever. And so that division completely under, uh, under fuels the, the power of this big community. And awareness that disability is a big deal and it's important is the most important thing for all of us to start to figure out how to come together on. Secondly, attitudes. You know, attitudes about people with disabilities are shifting rapidly from that sort of negative or stereotypic uh, pity base to more of a, a sense of normalized, you know, empowered and potentially oriented. And we see that through great examples of real life human beings just getting out there and 
being normal, uh, you know, a, a teacher, uh, an employee that's a colleague, uh, a great Paralympic champion like Todd or Chantal Petitclair, who you'll get a chance, I'm sure, to, to talk to. And, and when, you, when you see these examples, um, it's, uh, it, it's absolutely, um, it's the message that we all need to hear is that people can just get on with life and there is ability and hope and a real world out there and we don't need to be cured in order to be whole as human beings. Today, my audio live coming to you from the Stedward Center 40th Anniversary Gala at the Edmonton Expo Center. Mike Ross, along with Jawidi Gupta, our guest right now is Rick Hansen. And Rick, the, the uh, a lot of focus right now on the Rick Hansen Accessibility Certification Program through the foundation. What can you tell us about that? Well, there's lots of barriers out there, uh, you know, that people with disabilities face. And you know, you can try to get them all, uh, you know, and be a mile wide and an inch deep, or you can tackle one big one that can help, uh, you know, uh, really break through uh, to help people with disabilities actually gain access to society. And, you know, the built environment, you know, the places and spaces that people live, work, play, and learn, uh, it's a big deal. And it's the, you know, an unprecedented period of infrastructure spending in Canada, not seen since the 60s. And every time we build a building that isn't done right, it's a tax on Canadians, you know, in so many different ways. And we can't afford that. And the problem is, is that our view of accessibility is fragmented. There's so many jurisdictional interpretations of what accessibility means. We're driven largely by uh, varying advocates uh, who are not part of the mainstream design process. They're, they're outside throwing advice in. And, uh, and the professionals who deal with it aren't trained and accredited. And so our goal is to create a new solution to create a certification program that's modeled off the LEEDS energy-efficient building model where they change the design culture. Now everybody talks about energy-efficient buildings, but what mm-hmm. about the people? Mm-hmm. So now it's time for us to create an accredited program where people can take a course, they can have a ticket on the principles of universal and inclusive design for people with visual, hearing, mobility challenges, and obviously some cognitive. And, and that model building for functional uh, inclusivity will be certified, rated certified, and you'll be able to know, is it accessibility certified or accessibility certified gold? If it's gold, it's, it's above you know, the local, provincial, or national standard, and, uh, and that's encouraging, and we can learn from that, but at least if it's certified, you'll have a good sense that it will probably meet the code of the day. The, you've, done, you've done a world tour, you've got a foundation, and now you've written a book. Uh, can you tell us a little more about the book? You know, our 30th anniversary was just last year, and we wanted to sort of wrap it up with a story about how, how did the Man in Motion tour take place? What was the motivation? The motivation of that tour was grounded right here in Edmonton uh, and my experiences as a Paralympic athlete, my connection with Bob Stedward in the Stedward Center and, and so many national and international experiences of the barriers that, that essentially were there that didn't have to be there. And so it motivated me to do the tour. And that motivation is important for people to understand. And then the tour itself wasn't one man in motion. Uh, you know, it's so many people, the power of community that came together to play a pivotal role at key points for that dream to come true uh, were absolutely essential. And we wanted to pay tribute to the team and, and, and to show people that any dream is possible with a great group of people who believe and play their part or role. And lastly, that the dream wasn't 
over when the tour was over. It was just the beginning, and uh, we, we really see a, a bright future, but it's a long ultra-marathon of social change with many in motion, not one man in motion. And so let's just keep finding ways to come together to build the strength of our community so we can all activate on something in common with the same language, the same measurements, and ultimately to amplify uh, how we actually execute in whether it's a small community or a large community across this country or around the world. I've been doing this broadcast thing for a long time. I don't have a very long bucket list of people I wanted to meet and interview, but you were on it, and I'm glad we did it. Thank you very hey, much for being here. Thank you, guys, really and I uh, really appreciate all that you do with your broadcasting. Uh, you guys really make it happen and get the message out, and you know, uh, appreciate uh, everything that's happened along the way, and uh, i just uh, so excited about the future, so let's keep going. Enjoy the evening. Thank you. Rick Hansen who is uh, here with us at the uh, 40th Anniversary Gala for the Stedward Center. And our AMI-audio live broadcast will continue after a quick break. Still to come, Alana Mai is going to be here, member of the women's national sledge hockey team. Nelson Rago from Cool Blind Tech will be here. And former Paralympian Sandy Saunders joins us as well. It's all still to come here on AMI-audio. Welcome back to AMI-audio live and our broadcast of the 40th anniversary gala for the Stedward Center. Coming to you from Edmonton's Expo Center in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm Mike Ross along with Joita Gupta. Lyman's Plumite has been an active member of the Stedward Center since 1988. Over the past 28 years, he's worked with the federal and provincial public service as a manager and consultant in the field of employee development. He lives with quadriplegia and has been involved with the Functional Electrical Stimulation Program since 1992. And he is our guest right here, right now. Welcome. Nice to see you. Nice to be here. How are you feeling? Are you excited about um, tonight? It's a big event for everybody. Yes, I am. <laughs> what is your role supposed to be? Uh, well, I'm going to be one of the speakers at the end of the program. I'm just sharing my lived experience with the center and the impact that it's had on my life. What uh, what does a night like this mean to you? Um, I think it's a, definitely an opportunity to celebrate and make people aware of uh, what the center has brought to not just our community, but uh, um, how it's supported people with disabilities and all kinds of challenges. Um, the fact that it's not just a place for physical fitness and well-being, adaptive physical fitness and well-being, but it's also an opportunity for people to come together and uh, share experiences. Uh, it's also an opportunity for people to be more involved in uh, research. Uh, one of the things that's happened over the, the many years that I've been there is the, the capacity to um, access people with disabilities to support research around some of the challenges that they've been dealing with. We've heard the, the term a few times before, FES. What is the FES program all about? Functional electrical stimulus was something that was started back in the early 90s. I actually got involved with it. Um, just after I got out of rehab with some of the researchers, um, Dr. Arthur Prochowska and, and Dick Stein, just around improving hand function. But through the work that was done uh, through uh, Louise Miller and Skits, we were able to get these FES bikes uh, into the facility. And that was actually opened up a whole new dimension in terms of how people were able to access physical fitness. 
in my situation, it was it's really just planting electrodes on your legs, uh, on your hamstrings and, and your quads. And then through a program, it stimulates cycling. And for somebody like myself, who's never, you know, who's lost the function of my legs, I don't have a lot of feeling. Mm-hmm. Being able to get in touch with that aspect of your body is just, it's an amazing experience. Right. Not only that, but what it can do for you in terms of your, you know, your health, um, everything from, you know, getting your heart rate up, good heart health, improving circulation. Uh, and you, it also can be used by people with a variety of, of, of physical challenges, whether it's spinal cord, MS, stroke. So it's amazing. It's an amazing piece of equipment, and it's advanced so much in the last several years. And the set and the Steadward Center has now become a center of excellence, not just within Alberta but across Canada in terms of uh, accessing the equipment and using the equipment to support research. I'd say 40 years ago, if this technology was introduced, yeah, people would be kind of surprised and, and, and maybe a little uh, curious. Nowadays. It seems that these innovations are happening, you know, with leaps and bounds. When you talk to people about your experience with Steadward, um, you know, are, are they are they as surprised as maybe they were 40 years ago with how things are progressing and how things are changing? I think that um, I think in many cases they are. It's it's like I say, it's more than just a facility where people come to to you know work out. Um, it's it's a place for community. It's it's definitely advanced in many in many ways in terms of the programs that it's offered. The equipment that we have access to now at the Steadward Center when I started didn't exist, or else someone had to make it or modify something that already existed. When you talk about community, what does that mean? What do you what do you get out of it at the Steadward Center? Well, I'll give you I'll give you an example, and I'll talk a little bit about it in my when I'm on uh, later on. But when I first got out of rehab, and your life has totally changed. You're, 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 re- you're trying to get re-familiar with your body in terms of how it works. So you're in rehab for X amount of months, and then you have to get back into the real world. And one of the things that was really important for me from the Steadward Center is I was able to connect with a lot of people that were newly injured, newly getting out of rehab, or have experienced life in the, in the real world with their disability. And I was able to share not only my experiences, but get an understanding of what their experiences were, what they were dealing with, how, how they dealt with certain challenges. It was that connection is really, really important. And now, of course, you're the one trying to establish that connection with somebody who might have seen their life change overnight. Uh, what has that meant to you? I mean, it is scary to talk about your personal experience, but you're putting yourself out there. Uh, yeah, at times I, I am. Um, th- I mean, the supports that, that are available to people now who are, you know, have, have either acquired a, a disability or you know, or, or just starting to learn about it, or even the families that are trying to become acquainted with how do they support their family members has ad- advanced tremendously. Yes, there's a lot more supports, but there are times when you're a mentor to people. I was just going to say, I mean, it, it sounds to me like you're the perfect ambassador for the Steadward Center. Um, I would be proud. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud to have that, you know, that opportunity. Um, you can learn a lot from others. Uh, I don't. It's not just what I have to offer, but you know, you, there's a certain empathy that, and that human connection becomes so important. And how much of the mentorship role has? Obviously, a lot of it is about your personal experience, but how much of it is also about helping to help uh, to support people and finding their path and finding their passion? Because not everybody has the same uh, path they want to follow, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, those sometimes those conversations can be 
quite sensitive. You don't always get that far, but those top those those discussions do come up. Mm-hmm. You know, people are a little reluctant to share, but they're at the same time more more um, comfortable sharing with someone who's got a you know a similar experience. This whole evening doesn't happen if Bob Steadward doesn't get involved 40 years ago. Absolutely. Right? And, and yeah. I'm just wondering if you could speak to, you know, your association with him and, and just what, the, what do you think this means to him? Oh, I think, well, it, this is a legacy for sure. I mean, he has a lot to be proud of. He's, um, he's definitely changed a lot of people's lives, influenced a lot of people's lives. And that's a word people throw around a lot now, isn't it? Legacy. And this is this truly is a legacy. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Uh, to you know the disabled community, to the city of Edmonton, to the province of Alberta. Uh, like I say, it's become a center of excellence. It's it's um, the work that's being done here, um, the type of research that's being done here that we that the Steadward Center supports is is truly amazing. And I, I mean, I, the future is is going to be so much brighter. Mm-hmm because of what this facility has to offer. And yet, something that was said earlier on was that this facility um, is, the one of it, is one of a kind and that we need more of it in the country. Do you think that enough is being done to encourage parasport across the country? I'm not a parasport athlete. I do have a lot of respect for those athletes. Um, I was very active prior to you know, receiving a spinal cord injury, but I, I do think that it's doing a lot for the parasport um, uh, genre uh, across the country. It's definitely a center of excellence for trainers, for, for coaches, and for uh, for uh, Paralympic athletes and people that just want to, you know, be uh, active at a very high level. It is AMI Audio Live here at the uh, Expo Center in Edmonton, Alberta. We're here for the 40th anniversary gala of the Stedman Center. And uh, Lyman's Plumite is here with us. He is a longtime active member at the Sedward Center, in fact, since 1988. And you mentioned the, the studying, the research that's being done. Um, you have taken part in some studies looking at uh, FES and nerve fatigue. Yeah. What's that about? Um, what they're trying to look at is, based on the way the electrodes are placed, for me, I, I mean, I've seen F- FES can be applied in a number of different ways. It can be used on the arms, the shoulders. For me, it's from my legs. And what they're looking at is that... Um, over a long period of time, using the FES, like I'm, I'm up to 40 minutes right now. Okay. After about 30 minutes, your legs start to fatigue. And what the, one of the things that they're looking at doing is, what can we do in terms of programming, placement of electrodes, um, where we place uh, the, the size of the electrodes? What can that do to minimize the fatigue so people can use the bike for a longer period of time? Fascinating stuff and uh, a very important part of uh, what the Steadward Center is and continues to do. Uh, Lyman's, thanks very much for uh, being here today and uh, enjoy the evening. I'm looking forward to it and thanks for being here. Oh, it's our pleasure. We're we're honored to be here. It's AMI-audio live. Mike Ross and Judy Gupta. That was Lyman's Plumite, a longtime active member here at the Steadward Center. And uh, he will be speaking here at their 40th anniversary gala tonight. And our broadcast will continue from Edmonton, Alberta. Don't go anywhere.
Welcome back to AMI-audio Live's broadcast from the Stedward Center's 40th Anniversary Gala. We're at the Edmonton Expo Center in Edmonton, Alberta. I'm Mike Ross, along with Joita Gupta. What are you thinking so far? I think it's great. It's really nice to hear about the legacy of the center and to spend a bit of time thinking about how much things have changed. We don't often reflect on how many improvements have been made, but it is a time for not only celebration, but also a time for reflection and contemplation because there are people who have broken ground and done tremendous work to make sports and athleticism uh, something that can be enjoyed by everyone, regardless of abilities. And if you'll allow me a moment of personal reflection, as someone who's visually impaired myself, you know, I I was the last person to get picked on a sports team and, uh, you know, didn't really feel that it was inclusive at the time. But it's really nice to see that uh, things are changing and that we're growing and getting better. I uh, would echo that 100%. Um, Our next guest is a retired Paralympic athlete, Sandy Saunders. uh, And her involvement with the Stedward Center began in 1978 when she was 15 years old following a permanent spinal cord injury as a result of a car accident. Eventually, she took part in competitive wheelchair sporting events like racing and field events like the javelin, shot put, the discus, and table tennis, and went all the way to the Paralympics. Sandy uh, then uh, made the decision to leave competitive wheelchair sport to pursue a full-time working career and further post-secondary schooling in 1982 and joins us right now. How are you? Thank you. Very good. Thanks for having me this evening. Oh, it's great to have you. Really wanted to talk to you because for a lot of people, myself included, high school was a bit of a challenge. And that is the the moment in your life where the Stedward Center steps in and they kind of helped you get through it. Tell us about it. Oh, yeah. Um, Just I was just beginning high school at the point where I had my injury. So um, not only is it new starting high school and you're you're scared for those reasons, but now I'm going into a school um, with with a disability and one that I was still getting to know and, and getting comfortable with. But um, thankfully for this Edward Center, I had a place to help me um, become um, more comfortable with my disability and with the use of my wheelchair. And that, um, of course, helped me um, at the beginning of those high school years and through high school, um, just keeping fit and having that part of my life separate from high school. But... Um, it was kind of neat because uh, I, I wanted to take phys ed in, in high school, and uh, they didn't have an adaptive, an, an adaptive program then. So it was through the Stedward Center that, who I worked with coaches um, who monitored uh, the hours that I put into wheeling and, and exercise and fitness, strength training, um, swimming, um, and that's how I attained my phys ed Uh, um, credits to help me get my high school diploma so um, thankfully for that uh, um, we were trying to figure out uh, how we were going to get me to get through phys ed and and those credits so um, thanks to the Stedward Center I was able to do that through them. So sports has always been important? Um, Yeah um, even before my disability Mm -hmm. you know sports was a, a very big big part of my life and big part of our family and you know, just that, that part of your health and well-being, that quality of life. And uh, so as much as I didn't um, keep on with competitive sport, I was often back and forth with the Stedward Centre over the years. Um, you know, life got busy and, and started a family and working full-time. 
And then we quickly, as we get older and busier and older and busier, you start to get out of shape a little bit. So back to the center, I would go and and reconnect with uh, trainers and, and coaches and students there and to get me back on track with some fitness programs. And so I've been back and forth a few few times over the years since. Tell, tell, tell us about the time you competed in the uh, Paralympics. I believe it was in 1980. How was that for you? Um, that was another, like, starting high school that was, um, you know, new and scary. I was uh, only 17 years old, and... Uh, I, I know now, um, having been there, and, and um, that I, I didn't fully understand where I was going and what I was about to do and, and the, maybe the accomplishment I was setting out to do. It was just everything was so new. Again, um, having only been uh, using a wheelchair for a couple of years, I just really didn't understand and, and wasn't old enough to have the scope. But, you know, to get there, we spent... Um, many months um, with one of my wonderful coaches um, who will be celebrating with us here this evening. Um, and we were designing a custom-made wheelchair for me to to uh, do these racing events in. And we spent months, and I was just so proud of this chair. And I remember we had it painted white and red, and this was just going to be great. And we get to Arnhem Holland, um, and... Uh, I think it was Rick Hansen who came up, and I'd only met him the year before. But, uh, you know, a little bit more seasoned than I was, although still I think he was just getting into things too then. But um, he knew right away that this beautiful chair that, I, you know, I thought was the best best thing on earth, that um, that it wasn't made, it was made too big for me, and it wouldn't be something that I would be able to use. So the chair never got used. It was deemed too big and uh, thankfully I was able to borrow one of Rick's chair that was much smaller and and uh, would help me with the the uh, racing events I was about to do but uh, it was a an incredible learning experience it was um, a time of meeting athletes um, with varying disabilities from all over the world that was in itself um, just an, an amazing um, adventure if you will but uh yeah, it was it was scary, but I learned a lot. Forty years is a great run for this organization. Um, now, you could you could argue that this evening has been forty years in the making. Um, how excited are you that it's finally here? Oh my gosh! And <laughs> and and to be honored um, by Dr. Bob Stedward um, to be asked to work on the committee for this evening and and uh, participate in that way um, that was really an honor and. You know, um, we said at the beginning uh, of our visit here um, about a time of reflection, and I know that that has happened for me. Um, it was a time I, I hadn't been to the Steadward Center in a little bit, so I went back and had a tour, and I've been back a couple times um, recently, and just to see the changes there, um, but to go through the scrapbooks and, and see you know, pictures of me from 40 years ago um, working out at the, the original Stedward Center. Um, it's, it's just incredible. And then, like you say, 40 years, just a real time for reflection to see where we were, what we've done, and where we are today. It well, doc- really is amazing. As Dr. Stedward said earlier when he was with us, you know, going from a phone booth 
to 17,000 square feet. What a what a difference. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful center. Sandy, thank you very much for being here. Enjoy the evening. Thank you, too. Thanks for having me. Sandy Saunders, a former Paralympic athlete who has been involved with the Steadward Center since it began back in 1978. And uh, she's uh, uh, been part of the organizing committee here tonight and uh, is just, uh, you can hear it. I mean, mm-hmm. the, everybody's so thrilled. Uh, at uh, at this evening, it's it's finally here, and they get to uh, to celebrate 40 years of excellence. It's AMI Audio Live here in Edmonton at the Expo Center, and the Steadward Center's 40th anniversary celebration. Mike Ross and Joey DeGupta with you, and uh, up next, stepping up here to uh, our set, you hear him uh, on uh, live from Studio Five. He's a member of the team at Cool Blind Tech. He, I also like to think of him as like the king of the demonstrations on, <laughs> on our show. Nelson Rago, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks our, for inviting me. Our bald heads are finally in the same room, which is phenomenal. <laughs> Let's not rub them. We'll make some sparks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> great to have you here. Um, cool Blind Tech. Um, this is, uh, uh, they're, they're on Twitter, at Cool Blind Tech, and they've been around for a while. Tell our audience who may not be familiar with Cool Blind Tech, just who you are, and what you do. Well, Coblang Tech is uh, basically an accessibility website. Uh, we started back in 2012, just a handful of us. Uh, we started doing podcasts, and then we branched out and doing articles, and we've been around for about uh, five-plus years. Um, at one point, uh, I had a staff of about 10, 12 people uh, writing articles and doing podcasts. We're doing multiple shows, and and now, uh, and then we came, uh, we crossed paths with AMI, and then we're starting to do things with AMI, and it's, uh, it's a wonderful relationship between Cool Blind Tech and AMI. You might want to know that you've been referred to as the coolest collective in the universe. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, tell, tell me, how many of you are there at, at right at the moment? Uh, it's just a handful of us now, because usually it, around summertime, people want to do their thing with family and other things, so there's just about three or four of us. Uh, uh, there's one... Uh, one person that's doing the website. I'm handling most of the content at this point, but uh, we kind of fluctuate throughout uh, the year as far as uh, the number of staff. Now, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious as you talk about the relationship between Cool Blind Tech and AMI Audio. What what are, what are the benefits been for you guys? You know, I actually never heard of AMI before uh, someone reached out to us. And which is unusual because it's such a huge organization. Mm-hmm. And for it to be as, as big as it is and to find out by someone being a fan of our website. And then when we found out what AMI was doing, I, I thought it was amazing because we don't see this in any country in anywhere in the world. No one's doing this. You've told us what it is. Tell us why you started it off. Cool Blind Tech, it's a really, it's, a, it's an original idea. It's tech by and for blind people. But what, what planted the seed for you? You know what's interesting? I, I was never into technology before I lost my eyesight. Uh, after I lost my eyesight, I saw that there were such limited resources to access out there for someone in my position. So I thought, uh, I, need, I need to learn something fast. And, and what I found out is technology was, was uh, kind of the bridge between what I had before when I was sighted to what I, to what I have now. Because I'm able to do exactly the same thing, almost, uh, as what I did when I was uh, sighted. So... And then I thought I needed to share this with other people. And the best way to do it was to do it uh, online in, on the Internet because I'm able to reach everyone around the world uh, um, to, to share what we know about technology to people that are blind and low vision. Okay, so I'm not a tech guy per se. I, it, it's not that um, 
I'm necessarily afraid to try things. Uh, I'm just, it's just that I'm stuck in my ways. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm stubborn more than I'm, af- than I'm afraid, if you, if you get what I'm saying. Um, and yet once I get into the new stuff, it's pretty exciting stuff. And, yes. and, and then you leave the old stuff behind and you move on. Yeah. For yourself, being someone who wasn't into tech and now, like, I mean, I, I would put you down in, in you know, tech genius uh, uh, column. Um, what was that like at, at the beginning and how much have you seen, you know, an evolution and change in technology and assistive technology specifically? Well, I, I first lost my eyesight uh, around 2002. And, uh, and I had no place to go to, like, figure out how to use technology. So in the first year, uh, I was losing my eyesight. I actually built my own computer. Mm-hmm. And I, I would have never thought of doing that before. And to, to tell someone, yeah, build your own computer, I mean, now you don't have to do it, but uh, you can just grab a phone that does the same thing as what the computers did back then. But, you know, I had to do what I had to do to actually um, reach that level of... Um, of accessibility that other people had. And I knew that I could do it through a computer. And, and that's what I did. It, I, I just see technology as a tool. Mm-hmm. If there's something that, that I need uh, to improve on, something I need to learn from, I, I just find a piece of technology, preferably off the shelf, something that's affordable. And, and I try to make it uh, my own, make it accessible for me. Nelson, you're someone who lives with a disability. We're at the Stedward Center where they are accomplish- they have, they're celebrating 40 years of accomplishment uh, for them. But it's also a, a day that's important for us as people with disabilities, given that the government has tabled federal accessibility legislation. I wanted to talk to you about it a little bit and see how you felt about the day and how you were feeling about the legislation. Optimistic? Excited? Uh, you, you always have to feel optimism for, for something like this that's happening. It's, it's uh, I, in my personal view, long overdue. I, I mean, we're seeing other countries having uh, accessibility acts uh, years ago. I think the states had it in the 1990s. So it, it's long overdue, and it's something that, that should be nationalized. I mean, we're seeing certain provinces uh, have more options for people with accessibility needs than others, and I think it should be across the board. Uh, I mean, once you have a disability, the, the, government, the federal government should see you the same way. Um, what, uh, what can folks find on, uh, these days and what have you got planned for us the next time you visit? Well, we're going to be, uh, showing up tomorrow. So we're going to be in here, uh, uh, tomorrow morning and talking to you guys. And, uh, we, we basically got some cool stories. Uh, um, there's, there's going to be, uh, uh, there's new surgeries on the horizon. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're always looking for that. And it's almost like on a weekly basis we're, we're seeing new technologies evolve, where there's the opportunity of people that have been blind their whole lives uh, possibly retain their eyesight. Uh, the, the, the story we're going to be talking about tomorrow morning is uh, the first time a robot ever has operated on a human eye. And that was oh, just, wow. yeah. All right. Looking forward to it. Thank Nelson you. Rago, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. We're uh, thrilled that you're, uh, you're here with us and uh, a part of uh, our AMI-audio live broadcast. Nelson Rago from Cool Blind Tech. Follow them on Twitter, at Cool Blind Tech, and visit their website, coolblindtech.com. Our broadcast continues here live from the Edmonton Expo Center in Edmonton, Alberta. It's the 40th anniversary gala celebration for the Stedward Center. When we come back, we'll introduce you to a member of Canada's women's national sledge hockey team. That's coming up next here on AMI-audio.
Welcome back. It's AMI-audio live coming to you from Edmonton, Alberta, the Expo Center and site of the Steadward Center's 40th anniversary gala. Mike Ross and Joey Gupta with you. Just a few minutes left here before we get to the opening ceremonies and remarks and some speeches from Todd Nicholson and from Dr. Robert Steadward. Uh, we continue meeting some uh, tremendous athletes, and uh, Alana Moth started playing hockey, uh, para ice hockey, here in Edmonton as a young girl. At six months, she uh, had a form of cancer named neuroblastoma that was found on her spinal cord. Though she overcame the cancer, the illness damaged her spinal cord and limited the use of her legs. Today, she's enjoying being a part of the Canadian Women's National Para Ice Hockey Team and is proud to represent her province everywhere she goes. And today, she's here with us. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. So, you've played a number of sports. What is it about para ice hockey that drew you in, that attracted you to the game? From a young age, I've grown up in a hockey family, and the first time I tried the sport, I was so drawn to the speed and the intensity. And out on the ice, like everybody's an equal, and you can hit, like it's all hitting, full contact. It's really physical, and I like that aspect as well. <laughs> I never would have guessed that uh, the physical uh, aspect of, uh, of the game would have been one of the first things you mentioned that drew you to it, but great, because yeah. <laughs> so many of us are fans of it. Um, we were talking to Todd Nicholson earlier mm-hmm. about how when he started in para-ice hockey, it was, you know, maybe a day or two a week that you would train because you were working full-time and you had a job and you had other things on the go. He says, nowadays, in order to be on a national team, you're training five, six, seven days a week. Like, mm-hmm. it's completely different. So what is a week? What's an average week in your life like? So I'm currently in university. I just finished my first year at the U of A. I am studying kinesiology, and I've built my schedule, so I have kind of flexibility to train. So I go training at the gym with the Stanford Center in the para high, prefer, uh, high performance para program, three time, two to three times a week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then I'm on ice usually on the weekend or during the week, like once or twice a week. We had a previous guest who talked to us about the importance of mentorship. Have there been any mentors in your life? Oh, yes, um, definitely. I've, um, since I started playing, I've looked up to all the people on my team um, to get involved in this women's program. They brought a camp to Edmonton, and I was able to meet some of the girls before I made the team, and they definitely inspired me to get going and play. (laughs) So with AMI, we've done a lot with... um, uh, blind hockey players and watched how the game has grown but it starts in pockets yes. and I'm curious as to uh, what's driving para ice hockey in Edmonton and, and, and why it's so popular um, currently we I'm sure we have three club teams right now which is more than usual like one city usually has just one team but mm-hmm. we have a bunch of clubs who run it which is great and you can go all different skill levels we have intermediate like recreational, they're senior, so all different age groups, abilities can get involved. And what kind of support do you guys get from a team like the Edmonton Oilers? Um, recently, I w- um, unfortunately could not take part of this, but um, my local team traveled to play in the NHL Slide Hockey Classic in Minnesota, I believe, and mm-hmm. the Edmonton Oilers provided them with uniforms to play and represent the Oilers. Why not? Yeah, oh, that's <laughs> nice. And para ice sport is and in, like it's it's really something that means a lot to you. Yes. Uh, and what about women's participation in the sport? What would you like to see happen to grow the sport for women? Um, right now, like we're currently always working on growing the sport for females. Um, our national team has just started a program, a mentorship program, 
where in Ontario, Quebec, and Alberta, um, national members have been putting on um, mentorship programs, and that's been a great success so far. So tell us then, you know, how you take part in a national program when you're locally based and you've got players spread across the country. Yes. How challenging is that? It's very difficult. Our past season, we were only able to get together once before our major competition with the World Cup. So it's kind of tough, but we have to work around it. Right. And I mean, you're juggling a lot. You're in university. You have uh, aspirations to play para-sport. What advice would you give somebody else who wanted to maybe take a crack at it as well? Um, I wouldn't let anything hold you back. Like, I definitely had my struggles, school, injuries, but just think about big picture. Like, the ultimate goal is the Paralympics, and that's exactly what I want to achieve one day, and I won't stop. And is that message directed even more specifically at young girls? For sure. Like, I know, like, hockey might not be the most popular, but it's definitely growing, and to see the involvement go up and the participation and awareness is just amazing. It's not something, I mean, getting to the, the elite level that you're at mm -hmm. isn't something you do alone, I'm sure. No. <laughs> Coaches, trainers, family, who are some of the people that, you know, have been a big part of bringing you along? 100% my parents. <laughs> they take me everywhere, so that's a big shout-out to them. And um, the Stedward Center as well. I do my training with them. Jessica with the High Performance Program, she's been a great help to my training. My coaches, Tara and Derek, have been great help and support to growing my career. What's it mean to be here on a night like tonight? I mean, we're talking, we've talked to athletes who started playing parasports 40 years ago. Yeah. We're talking to someone like yourself who's been, you know, at it a, a relatively short period of time when you look at some of the, some of the resumes of athletes that are here tonight as well. Yeah. But what has it meant to you? Um, I'm very happy to be here. Um, it's a great event. The Stedward Center has done so much for parasport in Edmonton and to see all these people here, familiar faces. It's just been amazing. Anything you're looking forward to in particular tonight? Oh, I want to see who this Juno award-winning <laughs> artist is. What the heck, I'm uh, waiting. We, we can't give that away. <laughs> Top secret stuff. But uh, a, a great night is planned here. And uh, we're so... Uh, so very happy that you spent some time with us here before. So thank enjoy so the night and uh, all the best. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Alana Ma is a para-ice hockey player with the Canadian National Women's Team. She's uh, from Edmonton and uh, represents uh, uh, her province and her country extremely well everywhere she goes. Joita, that's going to do it. We've what? gone through an entire roster of guests, and the uh, two-hour broadcast is done. Two hours are up? I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. we we, we got to wrap it up because if we don't, uh, there won't be any food left. So oh. we got to get to the table. Now you're talking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, got to remind folks about uh, AMI-audio live. This is a, a big week for us. We're here in Edmonton as part of the 40th anniversary gala. We then have Kelly and company. Kelly uh, McDonald, Rami Amuthan are going to be at the W. Ross McDonald School in Brantford, Ontario on Friday, 2 o'clock Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific time for that, as uh, they bring you uh, the alumni celebration. And then on Saturday, Dave Brown from The Pulse, which you hear weekdays, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific time. Dave is going to be broadcasting live for uh, AMI Audio Live at Lake Joe. That's a, a camp of the CNIB. And that happens Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time. I know you're rushing back and hoping to get there in time to jump in a kayak or a canoe <laughs> and belt around the lake. I don't know if you're going to make it in time because you, you're here. And I know that uh, you got to travel. But 
I think Dave will do a great job representing us uh, at the event for sure. So it's a big three days for AMI-audio live. I want to remind you that if you missed any part of this broadcast, it will be available via podcast next week on all podcast apps and platforms. On behalf of Julia Gupta, Helena Falcone, Daniel Panamondo, Jim Crisco, and Paula Deneen back at AMI Control, thank you very much for being part of our broadcast here at the Edmonton Expo Center and the Steadward Center's 40th Anniversary Gala. AMI Audio Live is going to be continuing our broadcast here over the next 30 minutes as we bring you opening remarks and that'll be followed by speeches from Todd Nicholson and from Dr. Bob Steadward. Want to send some other thank yous out to our guests here this afternoon. Karen Slater, Executive Director at the Steadward Center. Dr. Bob Steadward, the founder. What a great man, what a great career and what a great contribution he's made to uh, Parasports and to the disability community here in Edmonton and as he continues to do that across the province and the country. Our thanks to Todd Nicholson for being here, former Paralympic ice hockey uh, player, para-ice hockey player, and uh, most recently chef de mission for Team Canada at the Pyeongchang Games in South Korea. Rick Hansen, the man in motion, was here for the Rick Hansen Foundation. Lehmann's Plumite, longtime member here at the Steadward Center. Sandy Saunders, former Paralympian. Nelson Rago from Cool Blind Tech. And finally, Alana Ma, member of the Women's National Sledge Hockey Team. So that is it for us. Thank you very much for being part of our broadcast, AMI Audio Live, signing off from Edmonton, Alberta, and the Steadward Center's 40th Anniversary Gala. Welcome back to AMI-audio live and uh, bonus coverage of the Steadward Center's 40th anniversary gala. I'm Mike Ross along with Joita Gupta. We've been uh, on the air here for a couple of hours now. Hasn't felt set. like it. <laughs> no, it's flown by, hasn't it? It sure has. But Fan- fantastic roster of guests and uh, fascinating people. Mm-hmm. That's been It's been amazing to hear. Uh, all the different experiences that people have had at the Steadward Center and how it's just helped sort of propel them onto the local scene, the national scene, even the global scene in athletics. You know, it is. And what's remarkable is that they've had a 40-year history. A lot of things, a lot of initiatives don't last 40 years. But this has been driven by hope, by optimism, and a belief in making sports uh, inclusive for everybody. And I think it cannot be stated enough how prominent a role Dr. Steadward has played in that. But I think it's fair to say that a lot of people have contributed to the center over the years and have brought different skills and different uh, aspirations to make it grow. And really it goes back to this idea that anyone and everybody should be able to enjoy sport, should be able to pursue their wellness and health goals, not just at a place like the Steadward Center, which is remarkable as an accomplishment, but anywhere out in the community. I like what you said there about you know 40 years how many things don't even don't last 40 years and so I, I think of someone like Todd Nicholson who along with a you know, group in Ottawa is trying to get an ability center you know literally off the ground just going in Ottawa built in Ottawa and 
They're going off the model in Whitby, Ontario. But they've got so much that they can also take away from something like the uh, Steadward Centre. And you think with 40 years' experience, it's got to give them so much hope to know that, you know, people in this country are with Parasport for the long haul and for the long run. It's not something that uh, is a fleeting thing. And, and they've got a great example of it here. But it's so much more than a place where people come to train in Paris sport. I really liked what uh, Dr. Stedward said. There is something here from the womb to the tomb. <laughs> I thought that was extremely <laughs> that was clever. Yeah. I wish I'd thought of it myself, quite frankly. Uh, but that's, that's what makes it remarkable. And the fact that it is a hub for research. You know, we don't talk about research enough. I know that's more Dave Brown's forte, if you know what I mean. But in actual fact, when you start to do research, you may find ways to uh, make adaptations that are of benefit to people with disabilities, whether or not they participate in Parasport. But I think they've done a lot to advance that conversation and have a fuller understanding of what it is to live with a disability and, and I've, I'm going to use the cliche again, so I apologize, but uh, what it is to focus on somebody's ability rather than their disability. Well, and when I think about what I've witnessed at the Ability Center in Whitby, Ontario, and, and it's, it's something that we heard uh, Lyman's Plume I talk about. He's a member uh, and has, is a longtime member uh, at the Stedman Center, uh, or Stedward Center, pardon me. And the thing that jumps out to me was his use of the word community. Mm-hmm. And you're right, it's not just what sports has brought to people, but the centers like the Ability Center, like the Stedward Center, that help teach life skills, that help give you a place where you feel comfortable, where you meet uh, like-minded people and people who have had similar experiences as you. And you're not alone. Exactly. You're not the only person who's going through or who has gone through or has faced challenges that there's tremendous support to be found there, whether it's on the exercise bike or in a meeting room. Well, exactly. And I, and I think I just go back to what you said before about people not feeling alone. Because sometimes when you live with a disability, you do end up alone. You do end up being the last person picked on a team mm-hmm. or being asked to sit on a bench. And this is really helping to shape the discourse nationally and internationally about the place of Parasport. I mean, we have seen over the years the amount of attention and uh, to Paralympics uh, and to see the growth in that. And, of course, the Steadworth Center has a big part to play in that. Joita, thank you. Uh, great broadcast today. Appreciate you being here with me. And uh, as uh, we get set for the 40th anniversary gala evening to get underway, you're going to be hearing over the next uh, half hour or so from Dr. Bob Steadward. Once again, you're going to hear from Todd Nicholson as they address the crowd here uh, at the uh, 40th anniversary gala uh, a whole evening is planned. A lot of fundraising is happening here. There's a, a live auction that's going to happen. Some amazing, amazing packages being auctioned off here. Uh, a chance to go to a, a, an NHL game, an Edmonton Oilers game. A luxury suite uh, is involved there. A trip to Mexico. Uh, there are plenty of silent auction items uh, up for grabs uh, outside the uh, main hall as well. So there is going to be, as, as Dr. Stedman mentioned, it is a full house. It is sold out. I mean, when you ask the band that's playing to give up their seat at their dinner table so they can sell four more tickets, that's how much demand 
there has been for this event. <laughs> so it's a tremendous uh, a night planned ahead here. And uh, this is, it's, it's, the room is just absolutely jam-packed. And we've already seen para-athletes. We've seen even Craig Simpson is here from Hockey Night in Canada. Just saw him walk through here. And uh, right now we're going to take you up to the main podium and uh, check in as uh, Lauren Sergi gets the evening going. Of the 40th anniversary of the Stedward Center for Personal and Physical Achievement. My name is Lauren Sergi, and it is my pleasure to be your MC for this evening. Now, at the Stedward Center, people move. Our clients move, our staff moves, our volunteers move, everyone moves. They move for mental and physical health, they move for competition and athletic excellence, they move for a love of activity and all of the enrichment that that brings to everyday life. And when you're an individual experiencing disability, the notion that an entire center, an entire fleet of people exist specifically to move with you and help you move is a profound, profound thing. To get our celebration started, please welcome to the stage Grand Chief Wilton Littlechild of the Confederacy of Treaty 6 First Nations for the opening acknowledgments and prayers. Thank you very much and good evening to each of you. A semina pega oe measik, mis tahi goe tootamik, kus na naskubun. I just bring you greetings to thank you and acknowledge every one of you, your excellencies, for being here tonight. I can't remember, actually, when I first met Dr. Bob, but we did go to school together. And when he invited me to come here tonight to share a short prayer with you, he said, it's our 40th anniversary. I said, Bob, it can't be. Come on. You're only 50, what, 51, 52? <laughs> but also see uh, another schoolmate, uh, Chuck Moser and Lynn. Uh, we all started out at the U of A, I would say, climbing the same mountain to promote wellness. But we used different paths. Dr. Bob started promoting the Paralympic movement. And Chuck, of course, a tremendous athlete himself, went to promote university athletics. But somewhere we parted um, ways and joined back again, I think, temporary insanity. I started riding bulls. Bob started team roping. And we both got hurt doing that. So, but anyway, it's a great honor for me to be asked to join you tonight and to uh, bring grace because the result of our efforts, especially Dr. Bob's efforts in promoting the Paralympics, I had the honor of being at the Paralympics in Pyeongchang as an ambassador. So I appreciate your support and the value of your work, all of you, in what you do. So in your own way, in your own thought, let's offer Thanksgiving tonight for the food we are about to eat. I'm going to say it in my own language, but I ask you to join me to pray that for me, my prayer for you is that you will find a bite in your food tonight that brings you health and happiness and a long future. So join me. 
asemina pego am stempe na naskoman ina mauna anom tamskomako takawi mitsak ya ya win exe is paksemo anotak semanto ya e he a e he e ya e he a e ha ya ha yo he Thank you, and in some places they say, uh, bon appétit. Thank you. Since 1978, this center has been bringing to life Dr. Robert Stedward's vision of making physical wellness accessible to people living with impairment. The accomplishments of the center's clients are exceptional, and they range everything from just daily physical activity and better living and better wellness through that activity to increased independence within their community right up to elite international level competition right to the Olympics and at the Olympic level. It's really incredible everything that does happen at the Stedward Center. Each client has a story, and you're going to hear some of those stories tonight. The first story that I'd like to introduce you to, it comes from a man who was part of really the founding vision of the center, someone who was there from the beginning, who was a dear friend and colleague to Dr. Stedward, and has been an inspiration within Edmonton and Alberta that many of us have heard of, but will now know a little bit better. When he was a boy, Dr. Gary McPherson was paralyzed from the neck down after a battle with polio. And while living in the polio wards at the University of Alberta and Eberhardt Hospitals, he came to develop a love of sports because of all of the sports broadcasting that was being brought into those wards through the radio. Throughout his life, he developed this deep passion for wheelchair sports, and he became a leader and an advocate, not only for wheelchair sports, but also for all peoples living with disability at the sports administration arena, and in politics, and in academics, and within the community of, at large. His work has been recognized through more awards than I can possibly bring up tonight, but I would like to mention two of those that include the Order of Canada, as well as being named Edmontonian and Albertan of the century. Dr. McPherson passed away in 2010, but we have his story in his words to help continue his legacy. At everyone's place, there's a copy of his book, With Every Breath I Take, which has been generously donated by Gary's wife, Val Kamitomo. Where's Val seated right now? Thank you so much. Val, Gary's book represents the absolute soul of the Sedward Center's mission, and we thank you from our hearts for this wonderful gift. While we're celebrating the achievements of the Stedward Center clients and the team, we're also celebrating the huge group effort that makes possible the Center and its unparalleled programs. These are our supporters, our sponsors, and our donors. First up, I would like to recognize the incredible team who put together this celebration this evening. Could I get Dr. Bob Stedward, Committee Chair Alexis Harkey, and all the members of the Gala Planning Committee to please stand up. Let's see you. Thank you so much. 
a full year of meetings monthly, more than monthly, over email, over the phone, via Google Docs. I don't think that Google Docs has ever had such a workout as they did with this committee. A full year of planning went in tonight. And I would also like our volunteers that are helping us out this evening to stand up and give us a wave. Let's see all of you. Wave, we need to see, there they are. Thank you. <laughs> our volunteers are here to help you have a fantastic time tonight. So if you have any questions or if you need any assistance, just flag one of them down, let them know, and they'll be happy to help you out. I'd now like to extend our sincere thank yous to the sponsors who have helped put on tonight's celebration, starting with our presenting sponsor, James H. Brown and Associates. I'd also like to thank our dinner sponsors, the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation and Insight Insurance and Risk Management, our media sponsors, New Cap Radio, CFCW and Global Edmonton, as well as our other sponsors, including Lexus Edmonton West, Flamin, Dental Choice, Splash Poke, JV Driver, and longtime supporter, Alberta Sport Connection. And to all of our other sponsors, friends, and contributors, you have the gratitude of everybody here. I encourage everyone to have a look at the sponsor and contributor pages in the programs to see just how many organizations and individuals came together to make tonight happen. It is so heartwarming to be able to see the incredible support that the Steadward Centre has from our Edmonton community. And finally, I'd like to thank everyone here, our guests, and all of the generous contributors to the Steadward Centre over the years. The financial support that you have given has made the last 40 years possible. But, and you knew there was a but, we have to keep it going. There's another 40 years to make for. And 40 years after that, this is an ongoing mission that is going to last as long as we have clients. And I know we're going to continue to have these wonderful clients to support. So, tonight's effort are critical to our continued operations. And the gala committee has devised loads of fun and engaging ways to encourage that support throughout the evening. For one, we have artist Louis Lavoie creating a one-of-a-kind painting right here, right now, and that's going to be included in our incredible lineup of live auction offerings. We're going to be doing table raffles of those gorgeous centerpieces sitting in front of you. For the curious, the centerpieces feature flowers from Funky Petals, ladders from Kepper Constructions, and art that was created by Steadward Center employees, uh, sorry, Steadward Center clients. <gasps> My first gaffe of the evening, how dare I. Art by our Steadward Center clients. These together represent tonight's theme, which is honoring our legacy and reaching new heights. Our silent auction is of course on and the tables have been moved right over there into this room so it'll be easy for you to keep an eye on your bids. We're doing staggered closing for the bids. Everything that is being bidded on using pink sheets is going to close at 8 p.m and bidding on the green sheet items will close at 9, 10 p.m. There are some amazing, amazing items over there, signed Eskimos and Oilers jerseys, concert tickets, theater and ballet tickets, luxury gift baskets. Basically, if it's on your wish list, it's over there. So please make sure that you get your bids in. Now, when the bidding does close down at the end of the night, at 8 p.m. as well as at 9, 10 p.m., I ask that you go and check your bids, and if you are the winner, 
take the bidding sheet and the item over to the table right by the car by Lexus Edmonton, and they will help you pay for your item over there. We do have Monero machines available to make it nice and easy. Your bids are helping continue the many incredible programs for the community that are offered at the Steadward Center. These programs include the Free to Be Me Children's Program, the Functional Electrical Stimulation Exercise, the Steadward Bears Program for Elite Para-Athletes, the Adult Fitness and Recreation Program, and the Community Exercise Transition Programs. You'll get to learn about what all of these programs offer throughout the evening. So raise your glass, bid on some items, pledge your support, and cheer on others as we create another 40 years of health and movement. Now, one housekeeping note, tonight is a celebration, and of course, if you find yourself getting a little celebratory, please contact one of our volunteers. They will be happy to help you get a cab home. We have both regular cab options available as well as accessible cab options available for everyone here. Now, I am very curious. Could I see from the audience a raise of hands as to how many people personally know on some, in some way, Dr. Robert Stedward. Yeah, exactly. I have a theory that Dr. Bob knows everyone. And we're not talking six degrees of separation, we're talking about two, max. I met up with him last year after he saw me MC another event and one of our friends introduced us and Rich said, Lauren, you got to meet Dr. Bob. He's got something coming up, and I think that it would be a great partnership. And I shook Dr. Bob's hand, and he said, Lauren, I'm Dr. Robert Stedward. And I said, I know. I was in your Anatomy 100 class. <laughs> and I did pretty good in it, too. He's a very good teacher. So, to tell you about what you have built and continue to build through your generosity, I would like to welcome to the podium the man that if you don't know him yet, you will after tonight, companion of the Order of Canada, inductee, uh, sorry, companion of the Order of Canada and founder of the Stedward Centre himself, Dr. Robert Stedward. Thank you very much, Lauren. Uh, but I noticed there are some people in at one table there that didn't raise their hands, but I saw them come in, but I didn't know who the hell they were. But as long as they enjoy their meal tonight, that's all that, uh, that really counts. Well, please uh, make sure that you're eating your salad if you haven't already. It's a very special 40th anniversary celebration here this evening, and to everyone in this room, thank you for joining us. Events like this are successful for one reason and one reason only, you. I would like to welcome and thank our special guests for taking time out of their extremely busy schedules 
to be with us here this evening, who you'll be hearing from a little bit later in the program. Our very own man in motion and my very good friend, Rick Hansen. Rick. Multi-times world and Paralympic champion with the Canadian pair of sledge hockey team, former captain of that team, and most recently the chef de mission of the Pyeongchang uh, Paralympic team, Todd Nicholson. <clears throat> Iconic Paralympian and Lou Marsh winner of Canada's top athlete, Senator Chantel Petitclerc. And our surprise person tonight that's going to entertain us a little bit later on, Canadian Country Music Artist of the Year, Brett Kissel. I would also like to very much say a special thank you to our presenting sponsor, James H. Brown. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Trent, for showing absolutely no hesitation to support our gala and the Steadward Centre. It's very, very kind of you. Forty years. I still cannot believe it has been that long since I took my first step to turn my vision and my dream into a reality. Forty years ago when I saw huge gaps for people living with a disability, a lack of accessible facility which created unnecessary barriers, a lack of professionally trained staff to help these people live an active, independent and healthy life, and most of all a discriminating attitude that was prevalent throughout society. I knew I had to do something. There just had to be a way to make a meaningful difference in the lives of people who through no fault of their own face these challenges. To help them believe they were capable. To support and encourage them to stretch and grow. To help them reach their full potential. That was my ultimate goal. And that is what I have poured my heart and soul into, not only the 40 years of the center, but the past 51 years. It was not easy. In the beginning, I struggled to find enough money just to open up the center, which is about the size of a telephone booth, and to purchase a few pieces of equipment for the programs. Eventually, I shared a brown bag lunch with a former premier of the province of Alberta who committed financial support for our center and our programs. This was originally managed through the RPW Foundation, which I know Chuck Moser is very familiar with. And now it is Lloyd Bentz and the Alberta Sport Connection supporting this great cause. And they have been great supporters over the last 25 years, and for that, I am deeply appreciative. But I was also fortunate to be surrounded by people who believed in me 
and what I believed was possible. First, my family, my wife, Laura, and my two daughters, Tommy Lynn and Bobby Joe. I promised I wouldn't say what their nicknames were. Those three women, 40 years ago or more, who stood beside me as I broke new ground and forced new thinking. Thank you very much for your support. Today, the Steadward Center is recognized and respected internationally around the world as a unique and dynamic center that fulfills the goals and dreams of people living with a disability. And today, more than 1,000 clients, children, adults, and Paralympians are part of our growing family at the center. A place where they feel like they belong, where they are supported in being challenged, where they can try new things and build their confidence in a safe and encouraging environment. Not only is it special for me personally to share tonight's celebration with all of you, it is also a milestone for the staff and other volunteers of the Center. To Karen Slater, the Center's Executive Director, and the exceptional team that makes everything that happens at the Steadward Center possible. Thank you, Karen, to all of your staff and volunteers. And tonight, to my very dearest friend, Alexis Harkey, the 40th Anniversary Steering Committee Chair. Your leadership, your caring attitude, your dedication, loyalty, and friendship mean so much to me. And all of you volunteers, tonight simply would not have happened without a tremendous effort on your part. I called for help and each one of you answered that call. To the Steadward Center families, tonight is a celebration of each one of you. You are the stars, the inspiration that makes us want to do more, just as you work hard to do more for yourself each and every day. There is no doubt in my mind that with all of us working together, we really will see the Steadward Center reaching new heights in the next 40 years. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone who has come here tonight to help us reach new heights. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. 
Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.